Hello everyone. Hello, hello. I'm Tony. And I'm Tally. And we are the, the Lazy Book, book lovers. lovers. This is a podcast for book lovers who procrastinate about reading and have never-ending to-be-read piles. Today, speaking of those to-be-read piles, we're doing another reading update. It's just such a common occurrence at the moment. We used to be like barely be able to do them once every four episodes and yeah. now we've like every other episode we've like oh, we've read enough to have a whole nother episode's worth of content <laughs> yeah like do you do you enjoy the reading updates because they're, they're happening loads <laughs> the stats used to support this that you liked the reading mm. updates so hence why we made them more frequent are you still enjoying them Let us we know. tried to read a bit on topic now Mm. Like we read stuff as it comes out rather than six months after the fact. Yeah, try to. We're trying to. Like Fourth Wing was our probably most on topic we've ever done. Yeah. Yeah. Go us. <laughs> <laughs> you going first or am I? Because you've got more. Oh, yeah, I'll go first. Yeah. Go, go, go. I just want to say before we get going at the time of recording this, I'm aware there's a St. Martin's Press boycott. Uh, St. Martin's Press does not operate in the UK, so if any of these are St. Martin's Press books, I'm sorry. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not heard of any about this. Yeah, I'm not supporting them. I am for the boycott. <laughs> so if any of these fall under St. Martin's Press or Wednesday books in America, I don't support them, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> A House with Good Bones by T. King Fisher. Because you know, I think I might have mentioned in the last update, yeah, when I was talking about Holly by Stephen King, I'm trying to read a lot of horror that came out this year because I want to vote in the Goodreads mm. Choice Awards, but I want to have read all the options. Yeah. Um. So I'm going through the horror that I might have missed this year. So this is one of them that I think will be in the, uh, mm. in, as a finalist probably. Um. So yeah, I read A House of Good Bones by T. Kingfisher. Mm-hmm. It's not sad. Okay. No. Um, very interesting. It's uh, it's kind of like gothic, southern gothic horror. Okay. Um, so I'll read you what it says. And the main character has a normal name, which is quite good for a T. Kingfisher book. <laughs> Um, Sam Montgomery is worried about her mother. She seems anxious, jumpy, and she's begun making mystifying changes to the family home on Lamagir Lane. Sam figures it has something to do with her mother's relationship to Sam's uh, late grandmother. She's not wrong. As vultures gather around the house and frightful family secrets are unearthed under the rose bushes, Sam struggles to unravel the truth about the house on Lanamir, about Lanamirga? Lanamirga, oh, I'm completely ruining that. Well, that is a weird one. Lamagia? 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 I listened to it as an audio and I can't even remember. Mm. Uh, Lame. (laughs) Before (laughs) it consumes her and everyone else who stands in its way. Um... Probably the lowest rated, rated I would give a T Kingfisher. Really? I don't often, I don't really rate books. Um, if you follow me on Storygraph, you'll see I don't rate them. Um, yeah, it was. 
it didn't capture the horror of her other horror books. I felt like it didn't really... I feel like she was trying to say something with it. Um, I don't know if... I, I think she should have either gone fully into the like craziness mm-hmm. of a horror or gone more into the not crazy side if you get what I mean. I don't like just sticking to eerie vibes. Yeah. Was it yeah. a bit eerie vibes, bit horror, bit Yeah. Okay. I think I don't wanna like accidentally spoil or anything. Um I feel like she was it was about um how your obviously family changes when you're not with her yeah. anymore. So she's not living with her mum my mum's changed. Um and it seems like her mum, so her mum, when she lived with her mum, was quite leftist. And now mm. her mum's seemingly very right, um, political leaning. And like has put up a picture of a confederate that she never would have had before. Mm. Like, And I just think, um, I think she wanted to comment on that. And I feel like she should have either gone fully into commenting on yeah. that or not really touched yeah. on it, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. Okay. It was interesting it had some quite good visuals like descriptions of visuals mm. um i wouldn't say it's probably not one i would reread and okay. i would reread all the other tea king mm. i've read so yeah i've got nettle and bone on my um that's, i've downloaded it i really want to read that yeah mm. Mm. yeah do you, do you want to do more or should um, you do mine I'll do another one actually because okay. um, I listened to both of these kind of at the same-ish time because I am trying to do 30 audiobooks in October. It's still October at the time of recording this. I have failed because I literally listened to nothing for a week on I'd Food Poisoning. But so. yeah, you've done quite well though. Yeah. Like, you did get through a lot of I audios. It done, still has prompted you to go through a few. I think I've done about 15 audios. Mm. So, you know, halfway. Um. I'll probably just carry it on until November mm. until I've done 30 and then yeah. nice. um, so the next one is Rouge by Mona Award which is Award Award which is another one that I think will probably be in the Goodreads Choice Award okay okay so Mona can I call you Mona? Mona <laughs> um, we're buds now Mona Wright interesting horror in that it's kind of like uh meandering kind of a little bit plotless you could say it's more vibes over anything else favorite kind of thing yeah now this book rouge it was too long in my opinion okay there was a big chunk of it that i got bored and i would have really loved this as a short story not really what you want for a um horror no, it's nearly 15 hours long. Okay. And I would say it could have been like six hours. Happily. <laughs> yeah. It is hard to keep a pace up for that long, I reckon. Yeah. So um, this follows a um, a lady called Belle whose mother dies and she has to go. Um, so she lives in Canada and her mum lives in LA. So she has to go to LA to wrap up like her mum's estate etc etc and it's it's flicks between the now of like after her mum has died and she's trying to sort stuff out and the past of her as a child Um, and you know that something happened 
when she was a kid, I think when she was 10 years old, that she doesn't fully remember now. And it's like something okay. is alluded to the whole time. And she, her mum is one of those um, women who's obsessed with like beauty and mm. trying to look young and da da da. And she very much passed it on to Belle. So Belle was obsessed with skincare. She spent thousands of dollars, mm. like, or whatever. Um, and then she finds out her mum's in a lot of debt, um, which I I was really confused about why she would care about that. But it doesn't get cancelled out when you die. It passes on to your children, yeah. which is fucking crazy to me. Just if you die, shit and Sorry, debt collectors, in my mm. opinion. Like... Um, and uh, she finds out that her mum was um, used to go to this like um, lavish, expensive spa, which is kind of like a cult. And it's a beauty spa. And mm. then she starts attending there, and she starts learning more about her mum. And finds out why her mum was in so much debt. She spent it on like skincare. Um, it's very good. It ha- it has a lot of very good comments on beauty beauty expectations the skincare industry mm. how that can be a cult um there was a lot of um discussion on the western beauty ideals because mm. Belle, her mum is um french and her dad is egyptian so there's a lot of like um kind of uh racism aimed towards Belle but it's not like overt racism mm. it's just like you know she buys skincare to lighten her skin and things like this yeah and then when it flicks back to past um when she was a child her mum is very kind of casually racist in that she's like oh you're so exotic looking your skin's exotic which mm. are all very kind of you know it it's crazy that a lot of people would think that, well, her mum can't be racist because she had a child with, you know, an mm. Egyptian man. But, yeah, she very much can be. And, yeah, yeah, like, very, very good. I do wish it had been shorter because I just think it would have packed more of a punch because I wouldn't have lost interest. Yeah. Very good, though. Okay. There's a smile, like, eerie vibes? Or... Very much. Okay. Yeah. People start losing their memories when they've been to the spa. But they're glowing. Glowing. And there's like jellyfish in there as well. Mm. At the spa, they've got like an aquarium of jellyfish, which Mm. is just eerie in itself. Yeah. (laughs) Like, have you ever been to like an aquarium where they've got like the jellyfish walls and it's all like dark and you're just like. Yeah, like I'm zoning out for years Mm. right now. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Mm. Yeah. All right. A bit different in tone. Uh-huh. I read That Time I Got Drunk and Saved a Demon by Kimberly Lemming. How was it? I love this book. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's so up my street. Let me read the description and then I'll sort of talk about it. Okay. <laughs> All I want to do is live my life in peace, maybe get a cat, expand my spice firm, really anything that doesn't involve going on a quest where an orc might rip my face off. But they say the goddess has favourites. If so, I'm clearly not, not one of them. I mean, I get it. Don't get me wrong. But he's dragging me along for the ride and I'm kind of peeved about it. On the bright side, he keeps burning off his shirt. <laughs> After saving the demon Fallon in a wine-drunk stupor, all he wanted to do was kill an evil witch and saving his people. So, we got our 
main character, she is a spice farmer. She's got a whole, whole family of spice farmers. They all own land in the in the village. She goes to the village fair, gets really drunk. On a drunk walk home, she hears someone calling for help, and she goes and helps them, not realizing it's a demon. Of course. Um, there is like a a demon a gate to the demon lands that randomly opens sometimes and a bunch of people from her village get sent on a quest to go stop it and mm. stop the demons from crossing over uh, and she's like I never want to be picked to be a questor uh, she's like I just want to you know have my spice fun get a cat live my best life get drunk with my best friend um, but then she accidentally saves this demon and then the demon's like hey you have to help me and she's like what the fuck I do and he's like help me or I'll kill your family she's like fine but then he's really hot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it uses like modern speak, but in yeah. a fantasy setting, which is when it's not done trying to take itself seriously, like say in From Blood and Ash. Yes, when it's not, when it's done tongue in cheek, it's just funny. Yeah. She's like, what the actual fuck? And she's like, I don't know, they use lots of like modern idioms, but in a fantasy setting. Um, and there's a bit towards the end where it's like essentially just a quest. We've done our fucking of the demon, and then we go on a quest, and then we have more fucking at the end. <laughs> I love that. It's good. It's good fun. It's, it was really short. It's really enjoyable. I'll definitely be reading the rest of them. I think they are on Kindle Unlimited. Yeah. Um, although um, the books are pretty. It's the Meads and Mishaps series. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I definitely, I thoroughly enjoyed this book. I was like laughing out loud, and it even is this one of the ones that made me cry towards the end. No, I don't think this one did. One of them made me cry. I'm sure I'll figure out. We both three. <laughs> I don't think this one. This one did. You know what? This was like. It didn't take itself too seriously. It was, it was a silly, fun fantasy, and I enjoyed it so much. Did you? You read this on holiday? Didn't yes. You? Yeah. Yeah. So was it a really good? Oh, holiday it was such read? a good holiday read. Um. I loved having to hold that cover up while I was reading in restaurants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. No one just say it. Read it. It's fun. 200 pages. Do it. <laughs> 200 pages as well. Yeah. Lots of, like, just she's, like, really sarcastic and just, like, oh, it's just so funny. Oh, that sounds brilliant. She's plus size. She's black. So there's also all kinds of, like, good stuff there. And there's lots of stuff to do with her hair. Oh, yeah. Her hair care. So she like she got dragged through a swamp, and she's like, oh, "I've got to clean my hair." Now. <laughs> and then the demon helps take care of her curls. Aww. So the demon helps like wash out her curls, and he's like, "Tell me what to do. How do I do this properly?" What oh, good guy? Yeah, that so, sounds good to me. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I want to read the rest of it. Obviously, I still have only read the Christmas. One. Yeah, I need to read the rest though. Yeah, I think they're just good fun. Just some silly they goofy time. They are silly goofy time. Yeah. yeah, it's just like cozy fancy. I think. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. Like very low stakes. Yeah. Mm. Go again. The Nightmare Man by J. H. Marquette. This sounds like a lovely book. Marquette. There's an R in there. Um. It was too long. <laughs> oh, it is this horror book. It's just been too long. Like, you lose the horror when there's just 
too much going on. I'm always trying to reach a certain amount of like legitimacy by like making their books longer. Yeah, maybe. Um, so this is like a horror crime. Um, oh, its description is T. Kingfisher meets Cassandra Core. Hmm. I mean, I get no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say mm. yes to that at all. Actually. Um, so Blackwood Mansion looms, surrounded by nightmare pines, atop the hill over a small town in of New Haven. Ben Bookman, Bookman, he's an author, best-selling novelist and heir to the Blackwood estate. That's a bit on the nose, isn't it? I know. Yeah. Uh, spent a weekend at the ancestral home to finish writing his latest horror novel, The Scarecrow. Now, on the eve of the book's release, the terrible story within begins to unfold in real life. So, basically, he's written this horror series, and then um, people start dying as the matching what happens in his horror series. Okay. And then a detective gets involved, and he has, like, this weird insomnia slash sleep paralysis issue. Ben, the author, has this... Thing with the, there, there is literally so many storylines in this. It no, is, you don't like it when they've got too many. No, especially when there's no point to it. And at the end, it was just like winding up all of the many, many storylines. I was like, I am so freaking bored, and I don't care about <laughs> half these storylines. I wanted the the cover has a scarecrow on it. Mm. I wanted scary, scary scarecrow. I wanted like clown in a cornfield, but scarecrow. Yeah, and. No. Oh. For me, it was disappointing. I'm sure for other people, they would enjoy it. I And I didn't even find the horror that great either. Like, it was... It did have some good ideas, but then it ruined it with the other ideas. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. And it was far too long. I don't know. I, I might pick up something by this author again as long as it's mm. not long. This was... 12 hours 12 Oof. hours i'm just yeah all of these all of these audiobooks killed me this month <laughs> the long ones mm. um i just wish i don't know i just it, it had there was such a good idea and then there was too much around it's it. always frustrating when there's like there's so many good ingredients here you just didn't quite pull it off yeah yeah, yeah. and then i was like i don't know like I would have rather just watched Goosebumps. I don't know. <laughs> yes. To yeah. get your horror fix. Yeah, yeah, mm. definitely. Okay. Um, at the beginning, it reminded me of, like, um, Castle with the... Uh, have you seen Castle? Yeah. Yeah, with the the, the killings matching the book. Mm. I was thinking of Castle. <laughs> but oh, God, I haven't watched that in ages. Mm. I never finished it, you know. I think I've got, like, two seasons left to catch up on. Yeah, I never finished it. They got a bit samey. And they start to it's like more and more batshit stuff starts happening. They always do this with American shows. Escalate and escalate and escalate to keep it interesting. And I'm like, maybe just end it, you know? Yeah. Like um, more and more batshit stuff happens and then they don't act traumatised after and they just go back to their normal life. They like, did that with bones as mm. well. Uh that's why I'm a firm CSI fan, because mm. they just had a formula. They stuck that formula for fifteen seasons. <laughs> And it was good. There was no... It's a field of role. There was no miss. It yeah. was good. 
The only time they went a bit crazy was when they had a character, Robert Langdon, I think it was called. Mm. Is that what it's called? No, something Langdon. Robert Langdon is the one from the Dan Brown books, isn't it? Anyway, and his character was a bit stupid, but he was only in it for one season, and it was back to good stuff, so. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Nightmare Man did not give me nightmares. That's the tagline. <laughs> <laughs> I I hope one day I will be the type of reviewer mm. that they ask for me for reviews to put on covers and that will That'd be your one liner. The Noah Man did not give me nightmares. Oh, the you know the what was that Pirates Tea one lesbian one that came out? Uh Trees and Tea Tea. Yeah, that can't one. Can't spell tea without tea. Can't spell tree yes. without tea. So you know the second one's coming out? Yeah. Apparently the book dedication is that. It, it's to all the one-star reviews who said it had lesbians in it. Yeah. <laughs> I've added more lesbians. Um, so she, that's Rebecca Fawn. Mm. She recently did a uh, ARG and I was part, I like took part mm. in it and um, for her new book. So she sent everyone that took part her signature card to put in the new book. So oh, I've got one. Nice. Yeah. I just thought it was funny. Yeah, I love her. She's it's all the one-star reviews. Because <laughs> there was too many lesbians. <laughs> I've now added more, more. lesbians. <laughs> uh, I love it. Mm. Uh, did you want to do one more, or should we hop back to one of mine? Yeah, go to yours. So these are all read on holiday, by the way, so I just need to set the vibe for all these books. A Beach Holiday. Mm-hmm. Book Lovers by Emily Henry. Yay! Um... Oh my god, the description is love. They always are. I'm going to read the short version at the top. Yeah. Uh, A buy the book literary agent must decide if happily ever after is worth challenging our whole life for in this insightful, delightful new novel from uh, the best-selling author of Beach Read. What did you think? I liked this one. I liked Beach Read more, Mm. but I really liked this one. I liked the the journey, like the, the fact that we've got this woman who's like, a career woman doesn't want kids and she stays that way to the end of the book. Yeah. And she just meets a man who's just like, yeah, I'm aware of you do you. I'm like, snaps for you, my girl. I You go be a powerful bitch and I will be there. <laughs> I, I'm here to support you. Yeah. I really like that. This is the one where she, um, she's like talking about how she'll never be the, the, the female the romance, man character. Yeah. And like, uh, oh, I they, love all the kind of breaking the yeah, fourth wall kind of things they like do. They go to like a small town and fall in love. Then the then the girlfriend in the high heels gets dumped, and she's like, "That's me." Yeah. <laughs> so she's like, she has been that girl yeah. three times. Yeah. So she's been broken up with by boyfriends who have gone into a rural little town, found a girl there, Had and, the hallmark movie yeah. love. Yeah. <laughs> um, and her sister. Before is having her third kid, and her sister is convinced her to go on this holiday together to this little town that's in the setting of her little sister's favourite author, who happens to be one of the authors she represents. Mm. Um, and they go there to kind of have this bonding mm. kind of moment together. And there's all sorts of fishy stuff going on with her little sister that she can't work out. Yeah, and she's worried that something's wrong with her sister's marriage, or like something's going on that she can't figure out. Her sister has this bucket list of like romance novel things that they have to do. 
Um, but obviously being married with three kids, like, well, yeah, nearly three kids. Um, she's like, well, I can't do like the romance part of it, so you have to do that for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then she meets an editor she knew from her New York days, who's also known for being quite cutthroat. Yeah. No. And they're both just quite cutthroat, and he's they're just both good in their field. He's just like, don't change, love it. Yeah. Like you do you. Um, he's like, go on, chop my book to pieces. Go on, <laughs> do it. Shock. I, I like how um, a lot of it is. Uh, about her relationship with her sister as opposed yeah. to her relationship with him. Yeah, and, like, the the journey they go on is not about fixing her in any way. No. It's just about, like, her and her sister reconnecting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and there's no, like, miscommunication, which is... No. Like, the one that I don't like very much. No, and, like... Um, this the, is the one where he's, like, working in a coffee shop and she just sits there and works on her book and so, kind of, like... Um, the coffee sh- it's, like, attached to a light of bookshop or whatever isn't it? no he is parents own the bookstore and yeah. he's taking care of the bookstore because his dad's been poorly yeah that's it yeah um and that's the only place in town that has wi-fi yeah that works so she ends up going to work there because she can't take a month off work yeah. and he's working from there as well yeah while he takes care of his family um and then they end up having to work on a book together yeah um and this book is by so the same author that she represents it's her little sister's favorite author and in so it, it's a very um, hyped book, isn't it? Like anticipated. Yeah, and then in this book that she, this that her one of her authors is writing is about like a <laughs> it's about a film script agent, so not a literary yeah. agent, <laughs> who's high powered and like cold, cold and cruel, yeah. and then about her journey, and then she begins to worry that this is how the world sees her, and she's like, this book is about me, and I, <laughs> she's like, fucking play about us. <laughs> and she's like, I refuse to be Nora, like, I think it's Nora that's in the book, anyway, and it's all about her comparing herself to this imaginary person, and yeah, it's, I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed that the I ending. I love Emily Henry. That's the one that made me cry. Mm. I remember now because her and her sister, like, they kind of grow up different, and then this this is what they go through in the book. Yeah, is them getting to this point of realizing they want different things. Yeah, there's a lot of like unresolved stuff from their mum, isn't mm. there? Yeah, mum well. passed away when her little sister was like sixteen. Yeah, and she had to take on guardianship of her sister, which obviously then twisted the whole sister relationship into a mother-daughter thing but not really and also meant that she had to be responsible very and she had to sacrifice a lot of stuff that her sister doesn't know she sacrificed yeah and then it all kind of comes bubbling out during this time yeah i think it's a really good book yeah i really liked it so um and the, the end i love the end yeah, it's just a very satisfying ending. Oh. Well, especially at first, you think you're not going to get it. Yeah. Because they, they choose not to have the storybook ending. Yeah. And, like, it's, it's like, reference in the book. But like, we're not going to have... This isn't a storybook. Yeah. Um, and then gonna. they do... It's just so good. It is. I saw what was going to happen coming, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, but it doesn't take away from it, does it? Mm. It's still just so good. Yeah, but the bit that made me cry, I think... Where was I? There's another time where I'm crying behind sunglasses <laughs> and I've got like tears coming down under the sunglasses. <laughs> just, just trying to like. Just sweating. <laughs> just sweating specifically from my eyes. Don't worry about it. In tear tracks. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> but yeah, that was another. 10 out of 10, eh? I th- yeah, I've gotten. 
I think I've gone and bought another Emily Henry. I've got her a next one that's coming out on pre-order. I am a fan. I prefer. Um, I think I definitely prefer her Sally Haywood. Yeah, I've not read Sally Haywood yet, but I've loved all the Emily Henry. So I think I can definitively say now. I think I prefer her. It's just got the. It's just got a bit more depth. Yeah. I just think I need a bit. I need some plot with my smart. The characters have a bit of grit to them. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. I read this uh, novella. Uh, short story. It's 150 pages. We need to look at the definitions of when it's when does a novella become a short story? It's to do with the word count. Ah. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Bell Chime by Mona Cabanini. Cabanini. Um This was a horror that I saw on KU, so I decided to give it a try. Which is Kindle Unlimited for those who don't know. Not in the name of the limbo. <laughs> I have a link on my beacons if you want to try and pay you for a month. Oh, this was okay. I have to say this about being rude. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a good thing. Okay. I went into this not expecting much, and I loved it okay. so much. Look at the cover. I think the cover's quite cute. But I, I, What's I, cool cover? I don't know. I just thought, oh, it's a quick, short horror read. I'll just read it. It's on mm. KU. It's probably not that great. And I thought it was really, really good. I mm. would definitely check out more about this author. Um, I'll read the description. Okay. So, Can you hear the bell chime? A girl suffering from paralyzing night terrors finds a missing poster hanging from the door of her apartment building. On that poster is a photograph of a frighteningly familiar face. It's her, only she's never seen this photo before, and something about its grin scares her, how its eyes seem to follow her no matter where she finds herself in the room. Over a series of strange events to follow events that will make her question whether her sanity is is still there or fleeting, she must discover what is real and what is the nightmare. It was really, really good. So in the mm. beginning, there's this woman and she's going out to the little like bodega next door to get some bacon for breakfast. She goes down the apartment building and she gets to the front door of the apartment building and there's a poster there, a missing poster and it's a picture of her. Ugh. And it's a picture she's never seen before and it's like been edited or like photoshopped and the mouth is really creepily grinning Ugh. and it looks like the eyes are following her everywhere and it's just, it was so good and it follows different characters it jumps around in time so it's like and the narrator is like the author so it's like um mm. but to understand we need to go back a bit and then it goes back and it explains yeah. something else so it's like in three parts um and uh the uh the character i can't actually remember her name she has um like night terrors and then she starts seeing things so you'll read this whole scene and then you'll find out that that didn't happen she just visualized that <sighs> happening it was really good it really got under my skin as someone who has extremely real dreams sometimes i have had trouble sometimes distinguishing what was real and what was a dream yeah like really really had a lot of trouble with it yeah don't read this book <laughs> but for everyone else read it <laughs> like this in 150 pages creeped me out more mm. than that like like have you ever lucid dreamed 
Have you ever lucid dreamed? Not for a long time. Yeah. I haven't had it in a while. I don't think I sleep long enough now for Mm. dreams, really, because my children. Um, But I do, well, no, because I do have, I do have nightmares, actually, quite a lot. A lot of nightmares, actually. I'll take that back. My son um, came home with a mask he'd made at the children's, British Children's Museum. He went for like a Halloween activity mm. day with his grandparents. And they did pumpkin carving and made like a, a pumpkin, um, not mask, like um hat, no, like... Crown? Crown, yeah. Yeah. Big pumpkin crown. And um, I put it, without thinking, I just put it on the, um, like this light shade in the corridor. Mm. And then yesterday morning when I got out of bed at like four in the morning to go and sort him out, I was like, the fuck? I thought it was a person in the corridor. Oh my God. <gasps> I mean, you have like what yeah. I consider one of the cardinal sins and it's a mirror facing your bed. Oh yeah, I do, don't I? Yeah. Because you know what? One night demon version of you is going to sit up in that mirror and you're going to be looking at it. You know... Um, so I covered that mirror over when I was sitting for you. But I'm on this side of the bed, so mm. the mirror doesn't... Oh, you can't see My it. partner definitely oh. can see that mirror. Yeah. Um, I get scared by... Um, there's often something hanging on the edge of the door in my son's room, and when I wake up in the night, I think that's a person peeking around the door. So yes, as someone who's had incredibly vivid dreams. Mm. I mean, I haven't had them in a really long time. But suppose the one it's the ones I haven't had them in ages. But I have had dreams where I could smell, taste and touch in them. Ooh. And distinguishing reality from that is so hard. Yeah, I can imagine. Even though you're in like a dream situation that looks not real and people don't have proper faces, like because they don't in dreams, do they? Yeah. But yeah, it's weird. I don't get them very often. I used to especially get like arguments that I'd had with the horrible ex. They used to come back to me in the very vivid dreams. Yeah. And I'm like, why are we... But I get to, like, say my piece. Yeah, you get to actually... <laughs> so it's like my brain was like, come on, out. act this out. Get over this. Um, <laughs> the other night, my son woke up, like, three, four times. And when mm. he woke up, he was screaming and shaking. He couldn't even see us. He wasn't... Prob- my son is a, like... He sits up and talks in his sleep. Mm. He's like... He's, he's just never stopping. <laughs> he's always got something to Always talking. Um... And uh, yeah, and, and my partner was like, "What's happened? Like, if something's obviously on your mind." Mm. Right? And then I was getting worried because I always go to the dark place. And yeah. um, so my other half was like, has, "Has something happened? Does someone hurt you? Someone touched you? What's mm. happened?" And my son was like, "Yes, yes, my friends were touching me." And so my partner was like, "Where? Where did they touch you?" And he was like, "Yeah, on my shoulder." <laughs> There's me in a, in a yeah, hallway. Your like, heart's just <gasps> dropped out of the asshole, yeah. <laughs> my shoulder. And my heart's like, okay, lay down now. <laughs> oh, bless him. Because I always get really worried. Like, when he went for a phase mm. where he was, like, wetting himself a bit, um, and I was like to my partner, that's a sign of sexual abuse. I was like, I'll go and have a word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, it's yeah. better to be over vigilant, vigilant, vigilant. Vigilant. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's just he's just having bad dreams about something, usually about owls <laughs> or scorpions. Owls or scorpions. He's very scared of owls. 
why why have owls what have owls done to him why have they wronged him they are weird creatures they're scary in the gruffalo like have you ever seen an owl's legs yeah. I feel like that really makes it a less terrifying creature. We showed him that. Yeah. Or like an owl wet. And um, we told him that um, <laughs> we were saying how silly it was that their head moves all the way around. Mm. No, that wasn't silly. That was scary. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, fuck. <laughs> like, can you know a person's head did that? Yeah. And then um, when we were at the zoo, when we were on holiday, they had a little burrowing owl, which mm. is super tiny, and we showed him them, and he thought they were really cute, and I was like, see, owls, owls are, are okay. Owls are our yeah, friends. <laughs> And you know when those when you hear birds that sound they make a coo mm. and he's like it's an owl and I'm like no it's just a generic bird. <laughs> oh my god, we had a really loud owl here the other night because yeah. I had my house backs onto a woods, mm. and me and my brother were watching TV and we just heard it and it was like fuck, <laughs> it was so loud, yeah, against your window because it set the dogs off obviously and it was like that was like that was so loud though necessary (laughs) all right should we do more books yeah let's do it i don't even know what did in my phone now yeah it's underneath behind your bag yeah hi 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 uh continuing the theme of silly fun yeah i read my roommate is a vampire by jenna levine which is a new one that's come out lately. I've been wa- some... watching this. I watched everyone read arcs of it, and everyone mm-hmm. seemed to enjoy it. And now it's out. Yeah, is it? Is it fun? It's good. The I cover's it. fun. Yeah. Um, it's a bit of a long description, but we're going to do it. All right. True love is at stake in this charming debut romantic Steak. comedy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that vampires are coming back. Oh, love that shit. Uh, Cassie Greenberg loves being an artist, but it's tough way. It's a tough way to make a living. On the brink of eviction, she's desperate when she finds a too good to be true apartment in a beautiful Chicago neighborhood. Cassie knows this, but it has to be a catch. Only someone with a secret hide to hide will rent out a room for that price. Of course, her new roommate, Frederick J. Fitzwilliam, is far from normal. He sleeps all day, he's out all night on business, and talks like he walked out of a Regency romance novel. He also leaves Cassie heart-melting notes around the apartment, cares about her art, and asks about her day. And he doesn't look half bad shirtless. On the rare occasions, they're both home and awake. But when Cassie finds bags of blood in the fridge that definitely weren't there earlier, Frederick has to come clean. Cassie's sexy new roommate is a vampire, and he has a proposition for her. <laughs> so, yeah, the Frederick... Um, one of Frederick's friends gave him a potion as a joke that sent him to a hundred year coma and then he's woken up finding himself a century out of date oh, no. and he's like really struggling to get by oh. and he's relying entirely on this sort of frenemy Frederick to help him navigate the modern world so his solution to fix all this is he decides to get a modern roommate to learn about modern society and his plan was just to observe from a distance uh-huh like never really cross paths but just learn through being around osmosis a, a modern yeah. person and then she turns up and he's like oh she's really pretty but he's like i don't want to compromise you <laughs> so he's worried about her reputation and stuff and like she he she's showing him eventually when she realizes a vampire she's like trying to teach him a modern world and like she shows him his Instagram and there's a picture of her bikini on his Instagram and she, he's like 
the, the shame. <laughs> the shame! <laughs> and they go to a party together and they get, she gets upset about something and they go into a bathroom together and then he's like, we cannot emerge together, your reputation. Yeah. And she's like, it's fine. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's not like so that anymore. Um, it's just silly, fun and cute. Yeah. She finds out fairly early on that he's a vampire. Um, and he's like, can you just teach me about modern world? Um, and like she takes him shopping for clothes and like <laughs> oh that is adorable it's just cute is it a series or just a standalone I think it's just a standalone yeah. I reckon they could make a series of it because towards the end it's obviously like there's the whole thing of she's a human he's a vampire yeah. how are they going to stay together Um, but oh, it's, just, it's just fun and cute there's some good spicy bits in the middle um, where she's like really worried he's going to be kind of old fashioned and prudish and then he's not <laughs> oh that sounds good um, yeah it's just cute her art sounded a bit crap she did mixed media art sounds a bit crap <laughs> her art sounds crap <laughs> so I'm like no wonder we weren't getting jobs oh. but by the end like she gets the courage up to like go like, apply for a job she thinks she's not qualified for and then she gets it and it's like stuff like that um, then he wants to listen like, none of her friends really get her art or want to talk about it yeah. he's like no teach me oh, like explain it to me Cause she, yeah he she takes down one of his like fox hunting paintings in her room and puts up one of hers and he's like explain this to me <laughs> what is <laughs> he's like it's trash and she's like don't insult my art and he's like no it's literally trash Cassie <laughs> and she's like he's like Pointing, she's like, "No, I use mixed media and I use found stuff. It's, it's mixed media, but she uses found. found. She likes yeah. uses trash. She uses trash in the pictures to make a comment on modern world. Oh. Sometimes I like, I would eat up. <laughs> mm. um, and he's like, "But no, no, darling, it's literally trash. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like um, what we do in the shadows, like that. Kind yeah, of yeah, that kind of vibe. Yeah." Kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good, good, oh. silly fun. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Mm. Um. Oh, I think I might need to read that. Yeah, it's it's it was how many pages is it? It doesn't look very big. Like three hundred fifty-two. Oh. But it didn't feel like three hundred fifty-two. Yeah. It was a good pace to it. Quick. Mm. Okay, I read the House in the Pines by Anna Rees or Rees. Um, okay, this is, you know, um, you know, I always tend to go, not always, you know, I tend to go on, um, little rants about how I dislike male authors that write unreliable female narrators. Yeah. Um, this is about a unreliable female narrator, but it was written by a female author. Mm. and it just had a different vibe to it and so okay. I stand by my thing that, you think you're right that I don't theory. think men can do it I just don't think they can mm. <laughs> I just I don't feel like they can write unreliable female narrators without it seeming a bit they're hysterical mm-hmm. yeah yes um so this um uh Maya was a high school senior when her best friend Aubrey mysteriously dropped dead in front of the enigmatic man named Frank, whom they'd been spending time with all summer. That's actually incorrect. Only Maya's 
Maya. Only Maya's been spending time with him. Just mm. saying. Um, <laughs> seven years later, Maya lives in Boston with a loving boyfriend and is kicking the secret addiction that has allowed her to cope with what happened years ago. The gaps in her memories and the lost time she cannot account for, but her past comes rushing back when she comes across a recent YouTube video in which a young woman suddenly kills over and dies in a diner while sitting across from none other than Frank. Plunged into the trauma that has defined her life, Maya heads to her Berkshire's hometown to relive to um, relive that fateful summer, the influence Frank once had on her and the obsessive jealousy that nearly destroyed her friendship with Aubrey. So when she was at school, her best friend drops dead in front of her um, when she's talking to Frank, who... Uh, is like this man who lives in the in like the town, um, and they never they never could find out what how she died. She just yeah. literally dropped dead. There's no no the autopsy had no explanation, and um, Myers convinced Frank had something to do with it, or Frank mm. killed her, um, and obviously no one believed her. And she's been on. Um, like sleeping tablets ever since and she's mm. got an addiction to these tablets um and then she's on social media one day and uh, she comes across a video and it's like watch this girl drop dead and she ends up watching it mm. and uh, a woman uh, just drops dead at a table in a diner and she's sitting there talking to frank mm. and emma's like i've got to, i've got to go back and yeah. find out what happened um yeah it's like it, it was really good. It was a really good thriller. She um, has a mystery element to it. She's at the same time she's trying to kick her um, mm. addiction to her prescription tablets. Um, so that's where like the unreliable part comes in. Okay. Um, and she, when she tells people about her theories, they don't like just dismiss her but then mm. like they're like well i don't think that's correct but explain to me what you think yeah so i don't it's not being like oh you silly goofy woman yeah it's mm. it's really well written the um like the summing up of it all was for me very satisfying okay i would read by this author again okay definitely good i enjoyed it good me? Go for it. I read, and you're going to be excited about this, Anatomy of Love Story oh, by Dana Schwartz. If you loved it. I enjoyed it. I did not love it as much as you loved it, okay. but I can understand why you loved it. Um, I believe that this is published by Wednesday Books, so we support the boycott. The boycott, just. Doesn't say on Storygraph, the publisher. Um, you click editions, I think. Yes. Um, but okay. here it's published by uh, what's that? Pat Pickett, Pickett, something like that. Yeah, cause that's it. Yeah, but in America it's published okay. by Wednesday Books. Um, is it gonna go back in there? Okay. But you didn't dislike it? No, I didn't dislike it. But I did not, like, have a sort of obsession like you did. Um, but I think I'll read the second book. Yeah. Uh, so let me do the, the description. Yes. 
Hazel Sinner is a lady who wants to be a surgeon more than she wants to marry. Jack Courier is a resurrection man who's just trying to survive in a city where it's too easy to die. When the two of them have a chance encounter outside the Edinburgh Anatomist Society, Hazel thinks nothing of it at first. But after she's kicked out of renowned surgeon Dr. Dr. Beecham's lectures for being the wrong gender, she realises that her new acquaintance might be more helpful than she first thought, because Hazel has made a deal with Dr. Beecham. If she can pass the medical examination on her own, Beecham will allow her to continue her medical career. Without official lessons, though, Hazel will, be more than just, will need more than just her books. She'll need corpses to study. Lucky that she's made the acquaintance of someone who digs them up for a living, then. But Jack is his own problem. Strange men have been skulking around the cemeteries, his friends are disappearing off the streets, and the dreaded Roman fever, which wiped out thousands a few years back, is back with a vengeance. Nobody important cares until Hazel. Now Hazel and Jack must work together to uncover the secrets buried, not just in unmarked graves, but in the very heart of Edinburgh society. Yeah, so we've got this girl who's like, she's a lady. And she's, lady? She's a lady, and she's supposed to just get engaged and get married and have babies. And she's like, I kind of don't want to do that. Um, When's this set? It's like 1800 or something. Yes, I think so. Did you say? I can't um, if it's gothic, it'll be 1800s, yeah. but I don't know exactly. You yeah. can say in the description. So it's like Burke and Hare times. Mm. But say in Edinburgh. Um, found the big start a bit slow. Yeah, I guess so. It took a while to get going. Once it got going, I really enjoyed it, especially the bit where she's like treating all the poor people in her house mm. and all that kind of that whole bit. So that was quite interesting. Yeah, I think like. So to set set the mood, mm. I read this when I was in hospital with my daughter, so I had nowhere else to go. So I literally read it in like a day, just sitting in the hospital. So I think like That's a bit on the vibe, to be fair. Yeah, and it was, and it just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I would have loved it mm. so passionately if it hadn't been that kind of perfect scenario. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely the hospital setting, given mm. that a lot of yeah. this is about medical treatment yeah, exactly. and that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit body horror, which is again the thing you quite like. Lots of talk of Lots squishy of anatomy things. Which I love. Um, yeah, I like I like little, little touch of like surrealism. Mm. The ending is where sort of yeah we get the kind of touch of magic coming in. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I saw the ending coming. But I, again, we don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. No, no. It's like well foreshadowed kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely going to read the next one. Um, it'll be interesting to see where they take this. I've not finished how it next ended. One. It didn't grip me straight away, so I kind of put it down. Mm. I do need to finish it though. Mm. Yeah, I'll be interested to see where they take this, given how it ended. Yeah. But I do, th- I mean, I've not read the second one, but mm. I do think. Um, I think it would have worked perfectly as a standalone as well. Yeah, I think it could have just stopped there. Another one. Yeah, but I again, I haven't read it, so. Mm. Um. Yeah, so I enjoyed this. Oh That's yeah, it. I would like to reread it. I might reread it before I read the second one. With all of my reading spare time. Mm-hmm. Um. How many more you got? Uh, one more after this. I read as part of the read-along that was done this week, Minor Detail by Ad- Adenia Shibley. 
So this is, there was a read-along that was um, put together on Instagram for this book. It's only mm. a short book, it's 115 pages, something like that. Um, basically, this is a Palestinian author, and she wrote this in 2017, and this year she won a award for it with the Frankfurt Book Festival, I think that's what it's called. Um, because it's been translated to German and she won the award, one of the awards mm. there and she was meant to go and um, pick up an award and like whatever and they um, took it away from her because she's Palestinian. Yes, I have heard of it. So um, Instagram put together a read-along of the book mm. um, in support of her. So I read it because it was available on script. Um, oh, it was really like obviously yeah and um, so uh, minor detail begins during the summer of 1949 one year after the war that the palestines mourn as the nakba the catastrophe that led to the displacement and expulsion of more than 700,000 people and the israelis celebrate as the war of independence israeli soldiers capture and raped we do say that word on here sometimes yeah though, yeah <laughs> capture and rape a young Palestinian woman and kill and bury her in the sand. Many years later, a woman in Ram Ramallah I think that's how you pronounce it, becomes fascinated to the point of obsession with this minor detail of history, a haunting meditation on war, violence and memory. Minor detail cuts to the heart of the Palestinian experience of disposition, life under occupation and the persistent difficulty of piecing together a narrative in the face of ongoing erasure and disempowerment and how crazy that that was written in 2017 mm. <laughs> and uh yeah it was really like it was really sad it was it was what i expected and yet i was still sad Mm. Yeah, you can imagine. Very beautifully written. It was very beautifully written. Mm. Like there were so many lines. If I was, if I was highlighting it, if it was a physical mm. book. I, it would all be highlighted. It was just so like beautiful tragedy, kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's just. I I, I want to reread it. I mm. think there was just so much in it that I probably didn't get the first time and i'd love mm. to really delve into it and like really like try and work out what's being said and stuff but it was i don't know it, it really affected me more than i thought it would yeah so it was worthy of any prizes it got definitely politically relevant obviously yeah. at the time yeah, we're recording this definitely. the cover is a bit oh okay bland it's, it's just blank. a blue cover but, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I recommend it. It's only a hundred and something pages. Um, hmm. Definitely. God, it must have been for it to be that impactful in two hundred pages. Mm. Yeah, it's it like split something. in two. So there's the first part, which is the nineteen whatever forty something, and then the two thousand seventeen, and it's like, and there's loads of parts. So it's just like repetition, 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 because that's what like war and conflict and occupation mm. is it's just repetition repetition like the repetition between 
what happened then and happens now and just yeah yeah okay how many more have you got do you want to do another one oh, i'm basically done now okay. um i've got a couple of graphic novels i can maybe mention but yeah i'm pretty much there all the ones i wanted to talk about okay so last one for me is serpent the serpent and the wings of night crowns of niaxia book one by Chris Broadbent. Sorry, it did that. It's done that thing because it's the audiobook. It listed yeah. the narrator as well, and it confused me for a bit. <clears throat> I'm just gonna. The description's long. But we're gonna. We're gonna do it. Human or vampire, the rules of survival are the same. Never trust. Never yield. And always, always guard your heart. The adopted human daughter of the night-born vampire king, Aurea carved her place in a world designed to kill her. Her only chance to become something more than prey is entering the Kajari, a legendary tournament held by the goddess of death herself. But winning won't be easy amongst the most vicious warriors from all three vampire houses. To survive, Aurea is forced to make an alliance with a mysterious rival. Everything about Rain is dangerous. He's a ruthless vampire, an efficient killer, an enemy to her father's crown and her greatest competition. Yet what terrifies Aurea most of all is that she finds herself oddly drawn to him. But there's no room for compassion in the Kajari. Wolf, the house of night brews, shattering everything that Aurea thought she knew about her home, and Rain may understand her more than anyone, but their blossoming attraction should, could be her downfall, in a, deadly, in a kingdom where nothing is more deadly than love. Yes, she gets adopted by the king of vampires, but she's a human. Um, and he wants her to win this thing called the Kajari because the winner gets to uh, get a request or wish granted by the goddess, basically. And that's how her father came to be ruler, is he won the Kajari and basically wished to be king and for everyone else to die. As you do. Yeah. And then, so Rain is part of the group of people that her father killed. <laughs> um, and I really enjoyed it. There's a whole... It is long, and there's a whole long bit of it where it's just about the tactics and the training for this competition, the Kajari, mixed in with a little bit of like tidbits of what's going on outside of the Kajari, because they get locked in a room in a house all together all the contestants yeah and they like are allowed to leave um at sunset and they'll have to be back by dawn okay um and in this world vampires can't be in the daylight but like yeah they can be awake in the daytime just looking up when i get my copy of it 7th of december that's the book two is coming out soon is that book two no book one they're re-releasing it uh, traditionally So I've got it pre-ordered for the traditional one. Yeah, I did listen to the audiobook. Yeah. Yeah, I've got the hardcover coming in when it comes out in December. So that's the only criticism I think. There's the whole middle bit where it's very much about like the tactics and then like the building relationship between her and Rain. It doesn't just happen. She resists it for ages, which I quite like. Mm. Um, like it builds and the relationship builds very naturally and it's own as he starts to challenge a lot of what she's been told is true by her father. Yeah. Um, I kind of saw the ending coming, sort of, Um, because there's a few, like, big reveals at the end, and I saw at least one of them come in, and the other one I was like, "Mm, okay, sort of, but not in a bad way. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's just another badass girl who fights and can somehow win against all the best vampire warriors. 
and yeah, so <laughs> she's a human, but she somehow wins against the, the most elite vampires. Um, and then a little romance in the middle. I mean, it was indie published. It had so much uh, praise that it's now been picked up traditionally. So yeah, it's a fifteen-hour audio, yeah. and I definitely listened to it in several pieces. But then I finished it when I was walking around in bright sunny Spain. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. When that arrives, I will definitely be reading it. I definitely go read the next book. Yeah. I enjoyed it, and I like. I'm interested to see where it goes, because like the ending is dramatic as fuck. I don't know. Is it just a duology, or is it a series? I'm not sure. How many books are going to be in the series? Mm. Um. There's a lot packed into it. Crowns of Nyaxia, good. Well, I've just Googled that and Crowns of Nyaxia book three came up in the suggested. Oh, okay, so there's probably going to be more then. How many books? Excuse me. Google. Yeah, there's definitely at least three that are named, so. Oh, there's a. Six books total, this is saying. Oh, there's a little uh, novella between them, one and two as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, then this is an FAQ on her Carissa Broadbent's website. Mm. It says, um, the core Crowns of Night Axis series will be six books total, split into three geologies. She's got quite a few different series, if you want to try anything else by her. I think I might. In. Yeah. I reckon they'll be on... Audible and Kindle Unlimited, if she's yeah, probably indie. Yeah, hmm. exciting. Yeah, I do want to read that. Mhm. So I enjoyed that. That's good. More vampires as well. What's not to love? Mhm. Um. Okay, I'm gonna end on uh, a comic I read, a graphic novel. Mhm. Oh, and it's uh, okay. I had so such... I love it when you start with oh, okay. I had. <laughs> such an emotional reaction to this in a positive way but okay. I just don't understand why or how I was trying to explain to my partner because he he got it out of the library and he read it before me um, and then he gave it to me to read after and I was like yeah it's pretty good and when I read it and I was really emotional and like really mm. emotional about it and he was just like yeah it was alright and <laughs> um, so it's the first volume in a series called Golden Rage um, I think the first one literally came out this year, so I, I'm hoping they'll do more okay. volumes of it. Um, so it's, its description is, Older women have been deemed useless to society and abandoned on a remote island where they must fight to the death whilst making friends and desert. Welcome to Golden Rage, a not-too-distant dystopia where Battle Royale meets the Golden Girls. Um... I don't know if that's a good description. Well, yeah, so you follow this woman who wakes up on this island, and so you kind of see it through her eyes. Um, mm. And so you don't know how this has happened or why it's happening or anything, but once you can't have children, you're chucked onto this island and just left there to like fend for yourselves. Okay. Um, and they, you know, make friends and they 
you know, chat about how just because they can't have children doesn't mean that they're not, mm. that they're worthless, doesn't mean they don't have something to bring to society, all of this. Mm. And there's a couple of panels that really, really got to me. And as I said, my partner was just like, I don't fucking understand what's wrong with you right now. <laughs> and so they're in these like hot springs, yeah. having a bath. And then one of the women gets out of the bath and it's illustrated her like, getting out of the springs and another lady holds out a hand mm. to help her out and she's in like her 70s or 80s or something and I was like it was so beautifully drawn and illustrated and framed and coloured and I was like to my partner you just don't understand how you you just cannot immediately see an older woman's body unless it's in a horror setting. Yeah. I was like, you don't know how much this means to me. You just don't see it me. done beautifully. Yeah, I was like, yeah. these two panels of her getting out of the bath and another woman holding out her hand, mm. like, that, um, like, softness. And, yeah. I was like, yeah. just, this isn't something that you ever see. I was like, mm. you have no idea. The only time you see older women that are naked or see their bodies they are scary women and they have horrible teeth and they're out to get you and I was like it was just Mm. I don't know why it really really got to me it was just so beautiful Mm. and I was like oh I don't know why but I love this so Mm. much and and then I was reading about um there's a big chunk at the end of it that had like um the people that were involved they had written about um why they got involved in the project yeah. or where the ideas came from blah blah and like the main character is someone who's having uh early menopause she's only mm. like in her 40s or something when yeah. she's been for another time and um the the writer who came up with the idea for the for the story um she was going through early menopause and she said she couldn't find anything yeah. to friend it in a positive way there was nothing that was like your life isn't over don't yeah. worry um and then it had like things like um how to forage and what you can make with what you mm. can forage it like it had at the back of the book it was just like all these oh that's cool beautiful little just girl stuff i don't yeah. know <laughs> you know it's just i don't know why mm. but it just really it really hit me but it's like the barbie scene oh yeah well she's like you're that. beautiful which my friends were like, "What's the point in this moment? Why did they? Why didn't they cut this?" And I'm like, <sighs> and I was like, "Well, Greta, the director, also said if they cut this thing, the whole movie's pointless. So, do with that information yeah. what you will." <laughs> like, calm down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, or like, um, you still need to watch Queen Charlotte. Yeah, because. It flashes between young Queen Charlotte and then modern day uh, Queen Charlotte and then the Bridgerton kid's mum and um, Lady Danbury. Yeah. So we go from young Lady Danbury, who's friends with the Queen, recently widowed, to old Lady Danbury. And there's a whole bit where it's like, because obviously Violet has been widowed, but she's still quite young. Mm. Obviously, like, not childbearing necessarily, but she's still quite young. And it's all about Violet sort of saying she might be ready to have romance again. It will never be the love of her life. No, ever. she's already had that. But yeah. she wants, she misses the companionship. Mm. And there's this whole bit where Lady Banbury talks to like, no one tells our stories. Yeah. We're old ladies and no one tells our stories. We're left on the shelf. Mm. And she's like, and, he was like, she, and Lady Danbury's like, our stories are worth telling. That's <laughs> oh. what I want. 
Oh, you should watch it. It's really good. Because it's all about womanhood, but not yeah. girlhood. It's about... Yeah. Because we only see girlhood represented. Mm. Whereas it's about, like, there's a bit where sort of, obviously they don't talk in explicit terms, but they're almost like gossiping. Yeah. And Violet kind of admits to Lady Danbury that she's like, the garden is in bloom. That whole bit uh, yeah. to talk about. <laughs> I had a very full garden with my husband. <laughs> and then when she's like, she kind of basically admits, the garden is in bloom. And Lady Danbury's like, your garden is in bloom. <laughs> and she's like, that. tell me more. <laughs> she like pulls her to I one side. And she's like, tell me more, tell me more. I want some more goss. <laughs> Okay, I need to watch that. You really, know, I love. Like, I probably prefer Queen Charlotte to the Bridgertons. Mm. I mean, I watched the film Cocaine Bear, which was good. Oh, I just don't. <laughs> There's so many good series you just don't fucking watch. But you'll watch some fucking depressing film or a six-hour YouTube video about the history of like bee farming or some shit. <laughs> it makes me mad. Oh uh, yeah, because I watched that like six-hour documentary about shark exploitation, how sharks are exploited in films. <laughs> so why do I feel sad today? I watched six hours about sharks dying. <laughs> Anywho, see, my boyfriend tends to go through YouTube rabbit holes, and then he's like, oh, "I'm feeling a bit low today," and I'm like. You told me that you went down a YouTube rabbit hole about like cartels in Mexico and like all that kind of stuff. I was like, that's not that's not light watching. Just a bit light viewing. Yeah, I was like, that's gonna have an impact. <laughs> you spent six hours in the dark watching that, and we're like, oh, now I feel a bit funny. Like, <laughs> a bit sad now. Actually, <laughs> didn't eat, didn't get any water. Had no sunlight throughout that whole thing. And then you're like, oh, I feel a bit, feel a bit low, like. <laughs> but cocaine bear was quite funny. Okay, about a bear that takes cocaine and then goes on a murderous rampage because he's fucking out of his skull. Anyway, glad you watched that and not the Six of Crows series. I love that for you. Uh, look, there's so many things I want to watch, but I want to be able to give them the attention they deserve, mm. which I can never do. Ever. Fair. Well, I'll talk to you about it in, Ever. T- in 10 years when <laughs> yeah. the kids are moved out. <laughs> um, I'll be re-watching Tangent before we sign off. Yeah. be re-watching What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, yeah. As well, recently. I've rewatched that a few times. Because the new series the new is se- I was going to say, is the new series out yet? Yeah, it's on Disney+. Plus. Guess what I'm going to watch instead of everything else. So from one of my friends last night oh, um, no. like, was like, guys, I need to tell you about this new show. And me and Jason were just like, watch it. We quote it quite a lot. Right? <laughs> I love when the... Um, when the sound was going around that it was like I can't even speak his name and he's like I'll say it Mike <laughs> fucking Mike <laughs> and uh, he's my my big cheese my good time boy that bit do you know what that show the fucking guy <laughs> I guess a little bit of spoilers if you haven't seen yeah. it I was actually really emotional when they showed like Laszlo and Colin growing yeah. when Colin was growing up and Laszlo was like, oh I was really emotional about that actually I was like I had a bit of tears I was like good night <laughs> 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 <laughs>
I mean, it doesn't take much to make me cry, but <laughs> I was just getting upset talking to you about a drawing of a half naked woman. So you know, I big mean, feel, big feelings. I mean, women. You should get, you should get emotional women. about half naked women. You should be like goddess. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I need to watch that. Yeah, okay, I'll do that. It's good. I'll start that tonight. We are werewolves, not swearwolves. <laughs> <laughs> they were going to make a film of that, weren't they? And there is a film. No, of the werewolves. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you. I was like, yeah, there is a film. That's what the series is based on. Yeah, no, because okay. they were going to do a spin-off of the werewolves, and they just decided not to do it mm. in the end. And I'm glad they just did that TV show yeah. instead of the, <laughs> of the vampires because that's much better. I was thinking of that earlier when mm. your when your brother popped in and he was talking about seeing Blade and I was like, oh, and Wesley Snipes in it as yeah. the vampire. That was quite funny. It's <laughs> because I've been watching it downstairs. That's probably what made him remember Blade. Yeah, because we were watching that episode. Good time. Yeah, good time. Anyway, that has been my spooky, my only spooky watches. <laughs> what we do in the shadows. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of horror. I'm sure that's really, really good for you. <laughs> the baby's been refusing to sleep, so. Oh. So. I've been trying to scare her to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine you're some kind of Wednesday baby? <laughs> He's like, <sighs> my dream. Spooky stuff, but it's like gothic baby. Yeah. <laughs> When my um, son was little, this is a complete tangent, um, there's a YouTube channel called Lazy Masquerades that I listen to a lot, and he does like true crime stories and like Reddit stories, and he reads yeah. them. That's it. Yeah, and he has a very like calming voice. Um, and when my son was little, because he was a non sleeper, hashtag from birth, and um, we used to put that on. And like turn the lights off and just listen to that and my partner was like well what well, we just let him listen to true crime to get him to sleep and i was like yeah, yeah and it works but like <laughs> doesn't understand the words yeah he's like he's like if he ever turns into a serial killer this is the moment <laughs> that it started you did it and i was like yeah well anyway i started letting my daughter i started putting it on for my daughter to get her to sleep and yeah. it worked as well and i was like well my son found his little toy chainsaw the other day that he got a few mm-hmm. years ago and then had it confiscated because he kept on the chainsaw everyone <laughs> um you know my daughter and him keep having <laughs> sword fights across the room <laughs> oh my god i have to show you she does sword fights with him how she's not she's walking like, yet <laughs> <laughs> she sits there <laughs> <laughs> or you carry her and she hits. Oh, that's so funny. And she goes and picks up a sword and she goes, ah! And waves it around until you come and do a sword fight with her. <laughs> that's hilarious. My little spooky babies. Anyway, that was a complete tangent. That's right. It's funny. Um, please come and follow us on Instagram or TikTok. We would love that. We also have a Facebook group where we want to make like a book community so please come join it just search for lazy book lovers podcast um and i think i forgot to ask you recently so please rate mm. and review wherever you listen to this episode to help us in the algorithm help us reach new people um let us know whether this is worth <laughs> us spending our time doing <laughs> um and yeah we've got our 100th episode coming up next week yep so if you have any questions, oh, 
We might do a question and answer. Oh shit! Yeah, this is episode ninety-nine. Shit! Yeah. We might, oh. We're hoping on doing a question and answer. So please send us any questions you have. It's not too um, probably too late by now, actually. Yeah, because we'll have already recorded it. Check us out next week for our one hundredth episode. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, please share us with anyone else that you think might enjoy. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week for our hundredth episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.